Hi! Hey guys, my name is Chanel Perillo, and I'm a casting director and producer based in Los Angeles. I've cast shows like Drag Race, F-Boy Island, The Real Housewives franchise, A Million Dollar Listing, to name a few. I want to welcome you to Shut Up Chanel, a podcast where I take you through my LGBTQIA journey, while each week I get to chat with the queer royalty that helped shape me. Buckle up, because I know you're going to want to tell me to shut up. Shut up, Chanel! I got the good ones on. So yeah, you I'm got those. Curious. You got those expensive ass headphones that I want to get. They're really nice. They're, they're so nice when you travel too, because you can like you can you can. There's a switch on it where you can turn out like all the outside sound. That's what I need. Honestly, I find myself wearing these headphones at like work during the day anyway now because like I don't know if it's like. I think I just have such bad ADD that when I have headphones on, it like makes me hyper focus. Oh, don't get me started on ADD and ADHD. <laughs> oh my God, that's a whole side conversation. Anyway, you look so good. Are you oh, like on Ozempic? I am not on Ozempic. I. It's so funny because now I think whenever someone's lost weight, it's we automatically think Ozempic. I just think I haven't been partying as much. Um, but before, let me like give like a quick little intro because this has Let's been like, it. yeah, this has been a long fucking time coming for me. I think about this every week. So this is, this is huge that I'm doing this right now for my, for, for myself. I've been wanting to do this for so long. So welcome to the pod, my sister, my drag mother, my family, winner of RuPaul's Drag Race season three, Raja. Hi. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a, that's that's kind of like the given intro, right? It is. If you were given... like if if you were like before season seven, then you you say you go hi. Hi. Right. Yeah. I also <laughs> like welcome to the stage, Raja. Um, I feel like I just don't even. I I'm just really excited to be here with you right now. I want to start with um. How did we meet? I want I want your story of how we met. Well, okay. First of all, I, there's multiple layers to this this how we met story because um, shut up Chanel, which is what your show is called, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, of, yeah. <laughs> of course, that's like shut up Chanel is like the is like your tagline. Well, Chanel, when we first met her, when we first encountered her as a drag community, she was a PA on drag race and drag you so that's how long ago it was like over 12 years ago she was in her early 20s and she found herself in the magical land of world of wonder and she worked as a uh she basically got our coffee and like took us to took us to the bathroom to take shits and she was she was the pa Mm-hmm. But uh, but very personable, and we all immediately gravitated and connected to her. And she really, she was really kind of building her addiction to drag um, through World of Wonder and working at Drag You. And you know, because I remember on my season, you would always talk about Raven. You're like, oh my god, Raven this and Raven that, right? Because because <laughs> Raven was like the first like fiercest diva you'd ever probably ever encountered. 
So yeah, Chanel was really young. She was like fresh out of college. Did you graduate? I went to FIDA. I went to FIDM. I graduated oh. and it was 2006 when I graduated. I, I was literally like about to move home to San Diego. I wound up with a PA job on Drag Race. I was like, had just broken up with my boyfriend. I was single. Hating man. And, and I fell into like this drag universe that <laughs> I became obsessed with that at the time. It's so funny because now I'll see but, younger uh, younger girls obsessed and, and I miss that. Like I miss that like excitement, yeah. you know? Yeah. But it was it was beyond that. I mean, like it was like when we we you met a group of drag queens that were in a very certain situation. We were all competing and we were in these in in this really locked down sort of jail environment. <laughs> And you were like the, you were like the, um, what do they call the jail people? The, the, you know. What is that called? The like, the, oh my God. Yeah, but you were like her. I'm fixing it, like, yes. Yeah, the you warden, were her for us. The jail the warden. warden. <laughs> yeah, you were like the nice warden um, in the jail. So we all gravitated and we, and you were kind of like our little sister. So we like. We just kind of took you under our wing and and that's really how the history began was really meeting Chanel um at Drag Race. But you know what was interesting, Chanel? I've been watching this um documentary that's like brand new right now on HBO Max about uh Little Richard. Okay. It is so good because I grew up with Little Richard, you mm -hmm. know, like we all know Little Richard's music. Like mm -hmm. Little Richard was the predecessor of Elvis Presley and he was mm -hmm. queer as fuck. And he battled with his life going back and forth between queer and being religious. And, but he's still Little Richard, but you know, his tagline is shut up. <laughs> shut up. Uh-huh. That's his tagline. And he'll, he'll like, you know, he'll he'll say a sentence and at the very end he'll be like, shut up. And the audience would laugh and I totally thought of you. I was like, oh my God, you are carrying on Little Richard's. Uh... <laughs> Which is like, I'm honestly honored and I- um, You I have to watch it. I'm going to watch it as soon as we're done because I could watch documentaries all day of my life. Um, For sure. I just watched that documentary, The Stroll on HBO about the- Which is so good, so good. So, so good. good. And then the credits came up and Scott Shatsky, who worked on drag, he was one of the first producers to ever tell me that I was a producer. Like I, we were on the set of drag you. And I remember I was like, so into like figuring out the storylines and like, I was like, I was, he just saw that it interests me. And he was like, you know, you're a producer. Um, and that yeah. he was one of the producers of the stroll. And like, when the credits came up, I was, it was like one of those moments where it was like, Oh, I know, I remember him. Um, no, that's an, that's, so a, that's an incredible film because, you know, when you and I share stories about what it was like for me, you know, growing up here in West Hollywood or just in Hollywood in general, and, you know, you're like a millennial and like hearing the stories, I don't know, like seeing the stroll really brought it all back to life to, for me. Because, for you. Yeah, because I grew up with trans women. I learned how to do drag through trans women. All I wanted to look like was a beautiful trans woman. And most of them, at the time when I was growing up on Santa Monica, and they even mentioned it in the film, Santa mm -hmm. Monica was definitely the West Coast version of the stroll. Mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't see any of that anymore. 
And um, just, it's just interesting. It was such an interesting thing because I don't think girls, young, young trans women really, you know, some of, some of them really concentrate on what's happening on Instagram, but this is really the, the, History, recent, yeah. recent history, not that long recent, ago. Recent, the 80s, 86. I mean, 80, like all the time 90s. periods. It was, 90s, it was when I was born. And, and it was, they talk about like how AIDS affected, affected everything. They talk about how the internet changed, Craigslist changed everything. I just got the chills thinking about it because what I got out of it was like community. And that was something that I always found in, in the LGBTQIA plus community was what was that feeling of like we all have each other's back kind of vibe and that's what I got out of it is like those girls like I mean it was it wasn't a sex thing it was it was them supporting each other to make enough money to survive and live survival and how do you pay for the gender affirming care how do you get the implants how do you get the nose job how do you get the you know all of those things had to be funded and there were, there were no opportunities. So it's really wonderful to live in a time, for me anyway, where I can remember that vividly and to see what it's become now and to see the role models that are there, including Gigi and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Laverne and, I mean, Angelica Ross. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's there's just Isis, Isis. Isis uh, who King. I met, Isis King, who I, I met love Isis on. King. She's the loveliest. And I met her on top model and like she was a baby she was an extra on the episode because it was all it was kind of like this uh episode about homeless something and the girls had to dress homeless and isis was an actual homeless like it's problematic the whole story but anyway isis <laughs> i was there america's next model was so problematic so but problematic. i think everything was everything was i just like look back on anything that like mm-hmm. even like gays were like a part of and it's like all so problematic like if you watch like old episodes of lots of shows it's it's or project runway like when christian siriano would be like oh my god you look like a hot tranny mess well that was kind of funny in 2011 and everyone was okay with it um but now no no like like how we're, technology we're... has changed so much so rapidly i feel like everything's moving really fast and maybe it's like a time the time that we're in but the fact like the fact that just like 10 years ago like even like the, my verbiage has, has completely changed and I've learned so much and I used to think I was like the wokest like girl that like knew all the lingo and stuff like it's all different from when I was younger even you know what I mean I yeah. remember when you guys all first started calling me Mary and I didn't even know what that was like I was like oh they need like hamburger Mary's <laughs> like and <laughs> I, would, I would go home and do all this like research and find out like you know, like where Mary came about and that it was actually, you know what I mean? So, um, well, I feel like the word Mary is making its own resurgence. Like it's really coming back because I've heard like young Queens, like refer to me as Mary. And it makes me so happy because like Mary to me is like a forever gay word, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's just part of, it's what, it's part of our, our vocabulary, our dictionary, our glossary, Mary, no, I remember Mary. the first time you called me Mary, I was like, I've made it. Like, cause I would see <laughs> I would see you call like other people Mary and stuff. And I would be like, one day I was just telling Manila, like I remember when we because when we were all on set, it was like there was an Instagram. YouTube was like 
like not, you know, not what it is now. There wasn't, um, the, all we had was Facebook and all of you ha like had so many friends that I remember like hanging out with you after the show being like, will you add me on Facebook, please? And you'd be like, I have to get rid of some friends to add you. Cause it was back in the day where Queens would just say yes to every friend. Yeah. Cause we were fresh off MySpace. So yeah. it was like, it was all about collecting, but, but like Facebook limited us, but um, how funny, how funny. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long yeah. ago. Well, I'll tell you like, I, okay. So I remember, yeah, like I had had like a couple Queens under my belt because I had done drag you Raven was like, God to me. Um, I probably, and it's probably because I had seen her perform at Mickey's once and like, it changed my life. And then I just got thrown into season three into like some of like the best queens that have like ever come out of the show. Um, I agree. I I am in love with with um, Drag Race. Like my fondest memories are up until season like six and seven. Mm -hmm. And then and after after that after after that, I still love it, but not like in the same way. Like some of the biggest geniuses came out of those. I feel those like seasons. after those seasons, you feel more of like an older sister than mm. like, than like, than like this, than like comparing yourself to, to them. You know what I mean? Cause they're like, they're well, babies. Well, I always now. do. Yeah, I always do. I always feel like the older like sister, the auntie. And I like that role. I actually really, really enjoy that role in my, in mm -hmm. the drag race world or just in general. I just like that. Like I worked for that. You, know? you did. No, you did. You I'll ne I'll never forget. It was the it was the Mars. It was the like drag queen um, a Mars episode. Like it was the space themed. <laughs> and that was like my first official day taking care of you guys. And oh, really? That was like my first full day with you guys, like where I got to like, no yeah, I was shit. like in charge of sig breaks and all of that good stuff. And I was telling <laughs> I was telling Vanilla like. I would get like it was it was like an honor to get to like have parliament breaks on like the side of the building with y'all. Oh my um, god. But I just remember That's thinking hilarious. you were like the coolest person I had ever met. Like you mm -hmm. had it was like rock star, but drag because I had had this whole idea of what drag was in my head. It was Raven, yeah. it was Manila. And then you kind of came in and you were this like rock star who had like you, all your stories were like you had just gone off tour with Adam Lambert <laughs> and like I'm on the road. You had traveled all these. You were you were everything I wanted out of life. You know, you were traveling. Yeah. You were buying everything that you wanted to that you wanted. And I was this like little girl who like couldn't even afford dinner. Like literally could not afford dinner or my yeah. rent or anything. And and I met these like amazing people that I don't know it was just you you were everything I wanted to be and I'll never forget you telling me like you taught me manifestation like I would every day I'd be like oh, like I hope I get to travel one day and you're like Chanel if you just <laughs> say it out loud like every day like I want to travel it's gonna like eventually come to you oh and my then it, god and then it did and it came by the queens honestly like without travel without touring with the queens that is kind of what like jump-started me even getting i remember getting excited to go to like middle of america like the gigs of no course. one wanted to go to but to me i was like i want to see america like i want to see what these little towns and the coolest part of it all was that 
Like we're not just traveling. You're traveling to like the gay community of whatever right. city you're going to. So it's getting right, to right. see like your community all over the world. I remember being like a gay bar is a gay bar, no matter where you are in the world. <laughs> it's kind of true. Um, yeah. A lot of them have their differences, but, but mostly you're going to, you're going to kind of get the same thing. I was just recently in Japan and I went and I spent a lot of time at the Eagle there mm -hmm. and like, there's like a whole scene like they're they're into bears and I'm like wait what like <laughs> you know but travel is such a such a wonderful part of of all of this yeah you're right I guess I guess I was 36 when I was on Drag Race that's how old so, I am right now that's so weird okay. you see what I mean so if you can imagine I was already at a place where like I had already built a career I um had traveled the world and so I was, I do admit that I was a little bit snobby on it because I was like, none of y'all could touch me in that department. Like I'm worldly as fuck. And so I came in with, <laughs> so yeah. I came in with this, with this little bit of cockiness. Cause I was like, uh, uh, don't mess with me. Like, I know what's up. I've been around. I've been, I, she done already done already ha had hers as. Well, and um, you would seem to, you, yeah, you had this. And that's probably what attracted me to you, like, because <laughs> I love a fucking challenge. And you seemed like a challenge to break through to. That's so funny. Cause the, <laughs> the last time I the last time I was on Drag Race on All Stars, that's what the PAs used to tell me. They're like, you're always so like you're just always like, yeah, whatever. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, I don't know, just the look on your face. You're always just like, <laughs> whatever. Everyone, everyone's, everyone sucks. <laughs> it's it's like this, like, it's, it's, I never even knew what jaded was. And now I am at that. I get it because I see people talking like, I, it's hard to excite me nowadays. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I, I do try to get excited though. No, I'm, um, I'm trying. That's why I'm doing this. Like, this excites yeah. me. I feel like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the, you know what I mean? Like, I, it yeah. really, like, doing, like, this kind of stuff excites me now. You yeah, know? I never want to be, I never want to be too jaded because there's a lot of queens from, from my age group. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, there's a lot of them who really kind of get stuck and they get mad. And I just take the example of, of Joan Rivers till, like, the last day. She was on Twitter and everything. You know what I mean? Like, that old lady. So I always kind of take that as an example is like, you know, like if it's one of those things where if you can't beat them, join them. I just like, I'm not mad at any of it. I don't want to be jaded. I want to, I want to be a part of it. I want to hear what the kids are doing. I want to mm -hmm. know, I want to be a, let me in, like, let me, let me hear what's up. I want to hear the conversations and I want to know what it's like because it's important. You know, I want to mm -hmm. know what the future is like. And, and it's, I, I've, I've been letting go of the jade. <laughs> that's good you know, so, so there's yeah. hope so my 40s i'll be less jaded again <laughs> i hope i mean i hope so i think i think you get you get like to a comfortable place where you just don't give a fuck as hard anymore so the jade kind of goes away some mm -hmm. people don't though some of my friends are still like stuck in it and they get real mad they can't they will not uh they will not succumb to the conversation of pronouns and these are queer people who are like now in their 50s you know, and they're like, and they're just so resistant to any change. And I'm like, how do you, ex how, how do you, how do you, how do you think you got to the place where you're at to be so jaded 
if someone before you didn't get eye rolled at first. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, exactly. I, I just, I no, just, yeah. yeah. You don't evolve. You don't evolve if you don't keep with the times. Like I, I get really frustrated when I hear people say like, "That's just how I am." Because oh, that right. like that like triggers me now, like I because I, I come from a family of those of, of that kind of like mentality, like uh-huh. that's that's just how I am. Like no, but but that's a choice. You can change. Yeah, that's, that's a choice. That's oh, a choice. God. This is a deep conversation. I know. I didn't expect it to get so deep, but I did want to give the cliff notes. Like I do think that it. Um, I would definitely not be who I am today if it wasn't for you. So many of my choices in life were, <laughs> I, I was influenced by you, you know, and and I, lo- I was taught a lot. I remember after one, I had dreamed of always moving back to West Hollywood and thought I couldn't afford it. And you were like, oh no, we'll figure it out. Like I'll move out of my apartment eventually and you could just take that. Oh my God. Why, why do I, why do I somehow forget that you lived in the exact apartment I lived in? I think, (laughs) I think, I think we're just like hand in hand, like going through life so quickly that every once in a while we have to remember these parts. And I'm like, Oh my God, Chanel lived in my little apartment, the same apartment that was in the uh, quote unquote audition video that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, uh tiny tiny little space and that was your that was your first like solo by yourself yeah it was my first like no roommates and yours and that's what you and it was the perfect location it's a perfect it was a perfect location for someone in their early 20s who like you don't need like I was always out when you're in your early 20s you're like never home you need a place to like pass out it exactly it was that, the perfect pass out spot. It had that little rooftop where we could will it lay out and get mm-hmm. a tan. Mm-hmm. And I used to when after Drag Race, I was like so addicted to Raja that I like literally <laughs> I would be like I remember I like asked to drive you home from set. Like I was like a needy girlfriend that like did not because I just felt like there's there's a bond. I was talking to Manila about it. Like there's this bond of like it's like you're in jail with people. It's like you're in jail for like two months and all you do is see each other. So then it's like, it's like leaving camp. Like when you leave camp, like you miss your friends. Sometimes kids like freak out when they leave camp. Cause they're like, Ooh, that's how I felt. And then, and I knew you lived in WeHo. So I was like, Oh, it's like, we could, we could be friends. Like we're going to be friends. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you were, you were so fresh onto the scene. You were from San Diego, you know, your conversations mainly, like <laughs> um me. were were well they involved like your sorority sisters and like I your San Diego sorority. I don't know what the fuck you were talking about. You were like, yeah, my girls from college, and we were like, college, like <laughs> ew. Um no, so you know, you you were a very different girl, but what was really what is always really special about Chanel is that man, you learn fucking fast. You know, some some straight girls, some cis gender, straight identifying. You're mostly straight. Mostly. Uh mostly. I say pansexual fluid. now because it's 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 the best. Like it's the best what, umbrella. Sexual? Pansexual. Oh pan, yeah. I could see you as pan for sure. But you're mostly a straight girl. But you were like this like little like San Diego like annoying girl. And, and we were like, and we called it out real fast. We're like, we love you. 
specifically me, I love you. So I'm going to tell you right now that this little crybaby whiny, oh, curl my hair, like just grossness is what? not going to work with us. It's not going to work with us. Do you want to hang out with us? You must not act that way. And you are a perfect example of um, of a uh, fag hag. Fag hag, y'all? Fag hag, y'all? Yeah. You're a fag hag that, like, learned real quick and and really, and, and really kind of um, figured it out fast and, and grew with it. Like, really grew with it. It's a very unique story because some of these girls don't understand. They think that it all ends at uh, endless uh, mimosas at a brunch. But no, you were like, hold on. These people are fun. They are, they, they tell me how it is. And I'm becoming a better woman every fucking day. That's <laughs> 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 so but really, I mean, that's wa- watching you grow and being your friend and being in your life is watching you becoming this fucking boss ass fucking baddie, and oh and I love it. And but but you're also like a homebody, you know, like you're just you're a normal girl too. You're like yeah, all of your friends are important, and you know how to act, and that's because a bunch of queens fucking told you what was up. <laughs> yeah, no, and drag queens like 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 drag queens prepared me for everything in life. Like it, it's it's not just and that was like one thing when when I would start to realize that I was implementing these like these skills that I was taught. Um, they it, it like translated into my work life, into like my relationships, all that kind of stuff. Because like I just think it, it anyone that's like a woman or anyone a pra- like there's just this insecurity that you have and drag queens really kind of taught me how to like kind of own your insecurities in a sense and 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 that's sure and laugh at it and laugh laugh at at it it. i mean that's how shut up chanel came about because it was like every when you guys had to be on ice and i would try to i would tell you my mom's disco stories you would be like shut Shut up up. shut up or and then it just became this thing where i was like oh like if and then everyone was just saying, shut up, Chanel. I, I'll never forget, we got back to West Hollywood and you started bringing me out to like the bars and stuff. And you would you started <laughs> saying, shut up, Chanel, and other drag queens. I think Detox had like heard it or like people started picking up on it because you're a trendsetter. And, <laughs> and then it was like, everyone's yelling this at me. Like, let me just take the drag queen's advice. And then I changed my... when Instagram first came about, I was like, what's my name going to be? And I was like, oh, shut up, Chanel. Like then if anyone ever tells me to shut up again in my life, like I own it already, you know? (laughs) I Um, love it. I I love seeing, I love seeing your evolution. I I mean, we both watch our our evolutions together and we talk about it. And that's my favorite thing too. Cause like, we'll check in with each other and be like, oh, the day. What, mm-hmm. what I went through and we'll be like, and we'll just check in and, and you like, like know things. though, you know, in a weird witchy way, like you'll text me when I am like, like on the couch, like in the worst mood, like thinking everyone hates me. And then you I'll get like a text from you. And that like, that's what happened with this pod. Like the second, like I literally was like, I've been putting this off for four years. Like I've been thinking about doing podcasts for four years. 
I really yeah. didn't like think, think about it until last year when Marco and Chris got me these microphones, but I was like going through a hard time, like super depressed. And so I've just been putting it off and putting it off. And you texted me that. like, what's up with the pod? And it was just like the sign from the universe I needed that day. Like, just fucking stop worrying. Like, I was just yeah, so- here we are. Here we are doing it. And I'm going to feel so fucking good and so excited to smoke a joint when this is over. Uh, because like- I'm smoking I, a joint now, as you can I see. I know. At the end, I'm just like, I don't smoke weed during my my regular job. So I'm like, let's try that with this. Just at the, at the okay, beginning. Okay. Till I'm really comfortable. And then I'll start getting stoned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we'll do another episode where we're both just like fully stoned and we'll compare the two. I've got wine. I've got weed. You know how I'm, how am I doing? How, what is it? Saturday? Yep. Sounds like Saturday. I was going to text oh. you. I was going to text you. too. I, that's another thing is like, I met Queens and like, when I met Raja, I was like, oh, we're the same person. Like we love to smoke weed. We love to drink wine. <laughs> I love watching people create. Like I remember the day I felt like we became friends was the day at the, and oh, me and Manila could not remember the name of the hotel. We were at the custom hotel. Um, I just remembered it. We were at the custom hotel and it was like a dark day and you guys were allowed to work on your looks for the next episode. And we were in oh, that- epic. We were in that communal room and I had texted like the EP and was like, if I get a bottle of wine and like monitor it, is like it okay? And they were like, <laughs> yeah, they were like, yeah, Chanel, that's fine. It's like a dark day. And I, I I went and got us wine and we just like sat around and I watched you guys like make, I remember you made the, um, I made like three the opulence. What's the opulence? The one with the writing. Right. What was the uh -huh. one with the writing? I, I, I own, own, uh, I own every everything. I own everything, which then I think I I also love that drag was this subculture that like I knew nothing about. So like for someone like me that like like I love documentaries, I love learning new shit. Um, like it was like watching a documentary unfold like in front of me. Like I was like learn. <laughs> I was like, what is I, I own everything from? You were like opulence, and then you guys made me watch Paris is Burning. <laughs> like there was just like so much for me to watch and like take in and then I started to feel like I even knew more about drag than like some of like the new queens because I'd be like you haven't seen Paris is burning like are you even doing drag you know like but that day, oh my God, that's that so day watching you make you were, you were, but you were like you were like Lilu you know that scene in Fifth Element where um Lilu like watches the TV and it's like on speed and she's just like watching it and she's crying and tears are coming down. That you were exactly that. Yeah. You were like learning a whole culture, a whole sub pop culture or a, a or a subculture that 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 I couldn't talk uh, to anyone else about it that I had originally, you know, like my my mom knew disco queen drag, but she didn't know like the culture, you know, like she was having babies in 86. So like she had new drag queens, but she didn't know like the backstory. Um now, now that I look back though, like my grandma has all these stories about her and my grandpa going to see like trans shows in New York city. Like it's in my blood. Like there's something in my <laughs> blood. Like maybe I was trans in a past life. Like there's something like, I feel such maybe a you're trans now. Maybe I'm trans. I really love my life. I don't know. Yeah. You're kind of trans. 
I, yeah, there's something, there's something, there's something there. Like, because I, like there, I feel such a connection to trans, trans people that there's something there. Um, but that was, well, what else are, what else are you up to right now? Well, right now I'm finishing. I just started dating shows like the last three. I think I got my first dating show like a couple years ago and fell in love with it. And I was like, it's just so fun. It's fun. And I love dating shows in general. Like I remember even when I was little, like I was obsessed with casting them, casting them. Yeah, casting. So I'm like, I'm a casting the the contestants on the dating shows. So like the interviews are so fun. And like talk about like getting to see like the next generation, you know, like I'm learning, like I have them oh teach God. me oh, the Gen Z lingo, like the, just the, the dating. Honestly, I'm learning like most, mostly every girl I talk to now is fluid or like in touch with her bisexuality, which I think is so progress, like so different. I love from it. What, you know, like, I'm just like, like, I, I like, I like Gen Z, um, I like that women are kind of, I'm doing a spinoff of F boy Island called F girl Island. So it's a real like female empowerment series. Like the girls are like, the girls are coming in as the F girls and the nice oh God, girls. So like these girls are just talking about how like they're taking the power back from men. I don't know. It's just such a fun show. And I do these amazing interviews and that's kind of where I'm like, I do all these amazing interviews for like other people's TV shows or other people's <laughs> projects. And I'm like, I never get to like sit down and do an interview with like people that have shaped my life. So that's kind of where the whole, like wanting to podcast kind of like came about. Yeah. It's like I getting, it. getting to, and I like have these, like I have thousands of interviews completed throughout my career. And like, they kind of just go away and I forget about them. But this, like, I'll get to remember forever, you know? Yeah. I love doing the podcast with Delta. Um, but Delta is doing so good on her own, doing very Delta. It's one of my favorite things to watch. I will get stoned and just sit there and laugh and laugh and laugh because listening to her is, it's like, it's genius, you know? So anyway, I... Um, Love Delta's podcast. I love Delta's Me. podcast. I was on Delta's podcast once. That was actually kind I saw of, it. it was so fun. And I was like, so, me and you have been saying that though forever. And I really do love Willem for making it happen. Cause I know Willem mm-hmm. was a driving force and like, and, and believing in it too. Um, mm-hmm. But like, we had talked about this forever. We're like, Delta needs a one woman show. Like someone that, someone that, 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 uh, that opinionated like it just makes such great fucking podcasts because it's like they, yeah. they they're opinionated and they have something to say one and day i'd love her i'd love for her i one day i'd love for her to graduate to do one woman shows she would be sickening i would listen to her for an hour it, and it would be so easy for her yeah what else i did also want to talk about you teaching me i mean you there's a couple t- to like a couple more things I want to talk about that you taught me. One, you taught me <laughs> how to host my first party. Which oh, I did. What you did. did. I say? So like, okay, so I just started. What was out. it? What was the party? So the party was Avida, the original Avida, not um the one that everyone knows today. It was oh. the OG, the first one. Andres Regal started it with Luke Nero in Hollywood at this club called Block. It was like yes. a, it was a, and it was like a straight club during the week, but like on Tuesday nights, 
which is crazy because it was a Tuesday night. On Tuesday night, it was their gay night. And I'll never even forget, like, even the bottle service staff was, like, their normal straight, like, straight club staff. And they got so in. They would, like, come in, like, Halloween costumes every week, like, thinking they were, like, in on it with us. Um, Well, I feel like even even bottle service then was still kind of new. (laughs) Like, literally. But I do remember I was in your apartment already because my first, I'll never forget the first night I got ready for Avita And six the drag queen was my neighbor and she like helped me like get ready. But anyway, I remember t- texting you. I only knew who Andres Regal was because of you, because you started bringing me out to like these, like these, <laughs> we hope these, we events. And I started, oh my God. I, I was still, you know, I got trained on how to get into clubs in straight Hollywood. So like, I still had that, you know, like, and I think the Queens <laughs> likes that. Like, I would bring us to the front of the line and I'd be like, who do I need to speak with? And then we would get right in. And like, I get yeah. off on that shit. Like, I get off yeah, on like. You've always been really good at that. Right? Like, Queens coming through, like, out of my way. Um, And that's how I met Andres Regal, because he was always at the front of all the cool parties. And so I asked him for his number and I was like, why don't I get his number? So the next time we go to an event, you're not, you know, scrambling to text him or whatever. I thought that would like make me like a good friend, you know? And uh, <laughs> I, going, I got a text from Andres Regal and Dave was like, why don't you start hosting gay parties since you're at them all the time? And I call, I'll never forget. I called you freaking out. And I was like, Oh my God, they want me to host gay parties now. Like, what do I even do? Uh, <laughs> this really happened? This really oh happened. God. I don't even remember. And That's you go, hilarious. you go, you go, listen, Chanel, you, what you do is you get a look, you put a look together. You were like, I know you know how to put a look. <laughs> Have one of the queens, like you were like, you could come borrow something of mine. Cause in the beginning, I think I was still borrowing all of your drag. Um, <laughs> yours in Willem's a lot. I borrowed a lot of Willem detox. Well, you, you and I, you and I came up literally. You and I came up with the concept of drag droppings, and it is being used globally. We invented drag droppings. We invent. We invented the term drag droppings. We really did because I would give you my drag droppings for you to wear to the club, so you mm-hmm. could look cute at Evita. But mm. we invented drag droppings. And I hear I hear people use it all the time. Same with blouse, the blouse, feminine top. Yes. Which I'm not, I'm just gonna say I said it first. I don't know, but now people be selling t-shirts that say blouse. Uh, booger. Uh, I mean, booger is coined on Drag Race. Did you invent booger? <laughs> um, no. I think that was just like a, that was collective. Okay, that was a collective. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I hear good. like I hear people like use it in casting now and I'm like was this always a thing um what's like, funny is I never I never used the word booger until I hung out uh, uh until season three of RuPaul's Drag Race like why would yeah. I ever say the word no. was, why would I ever say the word, word booger out loud never but, uh yeah. Um, and, no, and also no, wearing and wearing your clothes also made me feel cooler. It like gave me the confidence because when people asked who I was wearing, I got to be like, oh, Raja, let me borrow it. <laughs> yeah. But Raja gave but it we, to me. But, but I, we, that's insane. We, I had no idea you invented drag droppings. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we definitely we definitely um, uh, as a family helped Chanel in her style choices. You did. 
Yeah. Over the years. Yeah. I had no boobs your season. <laughs> yeah, you had no boobs. I had you short hair. And you dress like Punky Brewster. <laughs> Pandora Box still calls me Punky Brewster to this day. Well, Pandora Box would. <laughs> so yeah, whoa, but but um yeah, so you told me your advice to me was you walk into that club, you come in a look, and then you find this is so important for anyone listening that wants to host parties um <laughs> you find the highest point and even if you just want to like stand out in a nightclub you find the highest point of the nightclub <laughs> by that like and you were so good at describing it to me you were like you know like find where the eye where somewhere you could like perch and sit but it needs to be like above everyone else and then you and told separate. me and separate from everyone and then you just sit there with your fucking cocktail and just sit there and model, pretend like you're busy, like you're thinking about something, but you were like, just sit there. And you were like, no matter what, every person that enters that club <laughs> is going to see this like girl in a costume, like sitting up all perched and they're going to know that like you're there to host. Um, Amen. I, it's, I, I will, it's my belief till today, for sure. That's how and it's I, done. It's how it's done. And it's so true. And now whenever I'm in a club and I see someone like perched like that, I'm always like, that was totally Raja's advice. Baby. Um, I know. I, I mean, you've taught I me so out, much. If I still went out, I don't go out as much. And we, you and I joke about it all the time, how much we love to stay at home. But, um, but when I do go out, I still do. I still try to go, go that route. It really is the simplest route. Mm -hmm. I remember when, when I, when, when in the early 2000s, when we used to go to Peanuts and RuPaul was like, had RuPaul was just kind of in limbo. There was no drag race. So she would show up at the club, but she would always go in Peanuts, the, the DJ booth, which is now, what is it called now? Now it's, it's Delilah's. It's, now it's Delilah's. It's Marsha's, it's Marsha's spot. Hwood, Yeah. Marsha's spot, Delilah's. 7969. I'm going to have to hit her up because, you know, what? it would be fun to have a beautiful 7969 reunion with some of the the girls that are, like, really doing it and doing important things now, like, you know, and raise some money because that, yeah. that spot is iconic. And they, have iconic. A, and they still have a full stage and everything in there. So, like, yeah, it could. That would be a great idea to do. But but the the DJ booth was, like, right to the as soon as you walked in it was to the right and it it was up and it was higher than the rest of the room and josh peace would be djing up there or dj mm -hmm. ben or mm -hmm. paulo ramirez mm -hmm. and rupaul would always go up to the highest spot sit there watch the show she wouldn't really tip us but she would mm -hmm. cheer and she would be really loud mm -hmm. as soon as the show was done she would come off the perch Say hello to everybody in the dressing room and leave. And I love that. Mm -hmm. That to me is how it's done. It's so done. No, you know? I, I don't know. I just got the chills again because that's like literally when we would go out, we would always, it was, and now I know all these DJs because you taught me this, but like, like always be friends with the DJ. Like that's, always. that's one key to being, to being fierce in whatever city you're in is just knowing every DJ because then when you walk in the club, there's this like 
hey, hey, they call you over to the DJ booth and then you're set. You're behind the DJ booth. You could keep your purse there. I used to keep a jacket. <laughs> I always would keep a jacket at the DJ For booth. Sure. It's a good place yeah. to like hide a cocktail. Like if you, you know, like go up there, like tug down a cocktail, then go back but to the party. It's always been like the DJ booth or like that little higher spot, wherever, mm -hmm. just like a little perch has always been really important to me ever since I started going out. It's always been like a thing for me. I've always needed that. I always needed like a spot to sit out where I can have conversations with people, which is still very important to me. So what? if you see me at the club, you'll probably see me perched. 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 Um, when, when did you start to realize that you liked staying home more like when did that begin for you i think that really kind of happened during covid for sure i think i think before that pre-covid it was so normal for us to just kind of bounce around go out because we were bored do things which i actually maybe prefer more because it does take take time less off of your phone to actually just go out, even though you're going to turn your phone on and take pictures when you get there. But somehow it's, it, I don't know. Anyway. I, <laughs> it's so uh, true. It's true. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think COVID like really made me realize that I, I've always loved being alone. Um, and I uh, began a relationship during COVID. So that mm -hmm. there was that. So it just, I just, realized that I really love being home and home be became something that was like so important to me. And I was just like, the hangovers weren't that fun. were not cute for me no more. That's like what it I is. want to party. That's what it is. It's not, that's that what I it can't... is. We don't want to, we don't want to stay in. We just can't handle the hangover anymore. That's what it is. It's, and it's fine. And you, and it's okay to be, to be like, you know, I did it. I did it longer than I should have. Most people like, have, well, that's like, what I was going to say. That's why, because I, 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 it took you longer. Um, but <laughs> I think COVID, if COVID would have happened before, then it probably would have started it. And I think yeah, co you, came drag race, you came up drag co race, you won. So it was like, that was your time. Like that was your time to party for like the next, you know, five years. Like you were the diamond crown queen. You weren't staying in. Yeah. And then like we shot all-stars kind of during covid like we still had to take temperatures and and wear masks on set and mm -hmm. and there were still the 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 uh plexiglass uh walls in between the judges you know so that we were i was still in that time and in even in that even at being at drag race uh, there was a lot of times where you were just alone and i just kind of started to love it i just exactly. love it well, you, but you've always been like that. I just think that because that when we first started hanging out, like I, I remember I used to like take the bus from Hollywood to come to your house in WeHo because oh <laughs> I was like, right. I think I was dealing with my DUI or something. Um, and I didn't, I was like, I would take the <laughs> bus to the apartment that then I had moved into and we would like go up breakfast. No, Chanel, Chanel such a good friend that she had a breathalyzer in her car back way back when and she drove me all the way to san francisco and every few minutes she had to breathe into the breathalyzer in order for the car to continue to move so this is the kind of friendship that we have and and she was sober obviously because she had to get us back she had to get up to san francisco and take us home and she was so responsible about it but i remember and that sunday 
But that Sunday, because this is the problem with the breathalyzer. You really do learn a, a lot about yourself yeah. during that period because I learned that if I drink past midnight and don't eat like <laughs> meatloaf and mashed potatoes for dinner, then, <laughs> then I can't start my car the next morning. Like you don't realize how your bo body metabolizes alcohol. And so the next day we wanted to like get up early and leave and go back to LA. And Wait. Like, we had to wait until like 1 p.m. the next day for me to like sober up so I could drive us. Well, no, you said you said meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Is it because <laughs> we went to that diner after in San Francisco? <laughs> but I was just thinking of something hearty that one should eat so that they don't. Oh get no, because drunk. because there were there there was one time I was in San Francisco and I, we went to the diner that's in the Castro. I forget. I always forget what it's called. But um, Chris, whatever his name is, the the one that played um. The really hot guy from Glee. Um, oh Chris, yeah. Um. Oh God, what is it? He played. He played the murderer on the Versace movie. Oh. Uh, hold on. Chris. Chris something. No. Oh my God, he's so hot, and I follow him, and I'm just like too like wine drunk to remember. Hold on. Versace movie cast. Yeah, Chris. Oh, he's Darren Chris. He's so Darren cute. Chris. There you go. Darren Chris. So yeah, we were so okay. Edit all that out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but so there was this one night in San Francisco. I was with like with a bunch of like queens. We had we had gone out. Uh maybe we were like at Bo or something. And we went mm -hmm. to that little we went to that little diner. uh diner. Mm -hmm. And after we finished eating this group of people, small group of people, maybe like five or six of them, including Darren Chris, who I had no idea who he was, but mm -hmm. he was cute as fuck. He came up to the table and he's like, oh my God, Raja, we just wanted to say we love you. And um, we're such big fans. And I was, and we're part of the, they were doing um, a play in San Francisco. I think they were doing Hedwig and the Angry Inch and he was headlining. But I didn't know who he was, and he was so cute. And I thought maybe you were there that night. No, I might have you, been. you, you would you would remember that? I might have, but I feel like I forget. I I wish I journaled more, especially during my early drag race years, because like I'll see someone on TV and I'll be like, oh my god, I took care of them like all day, and like like we like that was the coolest part back in the day is like because. Even on Drag U, like I was meeting like gay legends on a, a daily basis, you know, like I remember like smoking things with the Pointer Sisters or like, you know what I mean? Oh. There was just like, like crazy stories like that. And it was just like every day for me. And then now that there's such like a lack of that, like it gives you time to sit back and reflect. And I'm just like, I really did get to meet like a lot of cool people in my job yeah. and life. And that's just, I think just hanging out with you guys, like, people would always come up and I felt like I would meet so many people that were like fans of the shows. And in the beginning, it was always like only famous people were watching Drag Race. Like I remember like having to like explain what it was to my girlfriends. Like they had no idea what drag was. Like it's just, it, it was, it's crazy watching how mainstream it's become over the last 10 years because it's really only been in 10 years. Yeah. And we were part of the original cast and uh, crew. I know. How interesting. Very, very interesting. I know how, how is it looking back on 
like when you first won compared to like now? Well, I, you know, I always say that I think I'm one of the lucky people who really kind of maybe did it right or good enough, you know, mm -hmm. because I, I, I kept working, you know, some people kind of just disappear off the entire map of it. And there, there are now hundreds of us who have been involved on Drag Race. And for some reason, I continue to work. And uh, since I've been on All Stars, I'm now even, I'm working even more, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm so thankful for it. You know, like I never thought that in my life, this would be the, the, the life that I would be living. I live in a very comfortable and fun apartment. I like every, bills are pretty much paid for life is pretty darn good right now. And I'm just like, I'm just, I just feel really happy in the choices that I've made. And right now I'm making choices. Like that's actually what I'm doing. I'm, I'm at a, I'm, a, I'm at a fork in the road in, in my life right now where mm -hmm. I'm just like, where, what's next? You know, like I love drag, love performing at clubs, love, love, coming up with one woman shows when I can do them mm. love coming, but like uh, I, I'm, I'm at a fork. I'm, I really am. And I'm also a, a lucky person, not a lucky person. I'm a talented, lucky person in the fork in my road. So I trust in my choices now, especially being 49 years old and whatever's coming up next, I think is going to be fine. I'm going to be able to continue being as comfortable as I can. I'm not a rich person. I'm enjoying my life. I enjoy, I enjoy staying home. I enjoy my friendships, my very close mm. friendships, especially with you. Mm. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just down for that. You know, I, you I think, I think in the last very rapid 13 years of our lives together as friends, um, a lot of shit has gone down. I mean, we've both lost parents in the we've last both 10 lost years. Parents, the world looks different. The conversations are different. Politics are different. Um, yes. And we lost parents and like we, we've had some good big reality checks, but I think we're ready. We're not, we're not, we're not those girls who are not ready for the next step, you know? I, I, I was going to bring that up. Like as traumatic, like as traumatic as it is literally watching your I mean, I'll bring up fathers since that's where we share, you know, mm -hmm. the death is like, there's something about watching like someone that you like, look like Saul was like the strong, strongest person in your life. Like watching them dwindle into nothing um, is it's like, it's so, it's so, it wakes you up a little, you know, it like oh, really wakes you up. <laughs> not, even, not even a little, it wakes you up to, like a level of like okay here we are in life this is going to be what all of our endings may look like no one is exempt you know the the calmest person living in life could have the most painful death and it could be something that you know it, it that's you that's, don't what I, know. that's what i kept thinking that's why when people are like Ugh. Even when people t talk about for that's even where I got to the point where I'm like people that are like, oh, I can't change. It's like, yeah, you can. And we all change. And like and when you're at the end of your life, it's like, yeah, it really woke me up. And I will say, though, like you going because I was friends with you. I remember I just like remember you going through that with your dad. And I kept and I remember how well you did it alone. You never asked for 
help and talking and bringing it back to that whiny girl that you talk about is I wanted to go back to that girl so many times. And I did. I'm human. I was not perfect during it. Poor Marco. (laughs) When I was losing my dad, like I would have those crybaby moments where I think I just wanted you have this vision in your head of when you're losing a parent that everyone's going to come around you and they're going to hug you and, and no one does, you know, they do, but it doesn't, it's not that feeling that you thought it was going to be. Oh, for sure. You have to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's very humbling. It's very like, Oh my God, like this could, this could be happening to me. And I hope that somebody would be there to, to make sure that that is comfortable for me as that happens. I don't know. It's. I don't think any of these conversations are macabre. I think these are very important ones to have. I think that death in America is imminent. And uh, so, I don't know. Things seem so volatile, but it's also times when you should be telling people that you love them even more. Because you don't know, especially where we live. America's embarrassing. Yo, I've been fucking yes, traveling, it and it's so hard to talk about like being an American because people, like literally we're the florida of the entire planet we really america, are america is the florida of the entire planet so we're embarrassing and what do you want to achieve next like what do you, you know dream, what, I, what do you dream about um honestly right now in my life my achievements i would like to really delve into um the art that I do, fine art, um, costuming, uh, writing, performing. I just kind of want to do it all. I want to do it all, but I'm not in a rush to do any of it, which mm-hmm. is really luxurious because like I've worked hard enough where I can kind of pick and choose what I want to do. So right now I just, there's a lot I want to do. Yeah. There's so much I want to do. I feel like, I feel like you, yeah, like I see you creating art. I've always saw that. And I know you do. I mean, you create art every day, but I mean, like, do you ever sit and paint and do all that stuff? That's what I'm talking about. Like, uh, you know, people constantly ask me about Raja Draja. They're like, why don't you do that anymore? And I'm like, well, because World of Wonder kind of just like, we just kind of pieced out on it. And I would love to probably do that again, maybe. Mm-hmm. start doing that for fun just for fun and maybe a patreon or a twitch make money live uh, oh on. who was your first crush <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. like it was it was there there was a lot because it was the 80s <laughs> like tell me yeah and there was a lot of like harp uh, like humping the carpet um, all the all the W the wrestling stars, you know Hulk Hogan and Roddy Roddy Rowdy Roddy Piper. Mm. Yeah, I humped the carpet watching the Magnum PI. Um, oh my god, Tom I Selleck. was I was a humper too. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Chips, both of them, Punch and the white guy, all of them. There was a lot of sexy dudes like wearing short shorts in the eighties with like mustaches. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who was your so first my... female icon that you looked up to? Female crush icon. Um someone you wanted Tina... to be. Well, the one that I drew a lot because I came to the US in 1984 and 
Tina Turner had just gotten really hot with what's love got to do, got to do with it. And, and I was nine years old, 10 years old, really fascinated by the, her hair, the size of her mouth. So I would draw these caricatures of Tina Turner, her legs, her mini skirt, her big mouth and her big jagged shaped hair. So like her, but also Madonna and he, this, I'm telling you, 1984, there was a lot that came out of that time. So Boy George and Culture Club, you know, so and much. Do you remember when McDonald's was like giving out Tina Turner CDs? No. In like Happy Meals, like one of my first CDs was a Tina Turner CD that I got at McDonald's. I, okay, I, my first job was at McDonald's and it was so long ago that I worked drive through because they knew that I hated cooking. <laughs> so I was always in drive through And this is what I had to say. Welcome to McDonald's. Would you like to try our new Big Mac combo? Combo. Combo. There was no other combos. There was only one. That's how wow. old I am. Oh my God. And then did they have like the, remember they had like crystal, like it was like, like glasses, like those collector glasses that you would get. Imagine totally. McDonald's giving real freaking glass out well, to people. Also the, I, I, I still worked, worked at McDonald's when they had the coffee spoons, the plastic ones that had the, the little tiny M and with the little tiny spoon at the end that people would use for cocaine. We used to have to refill like little bins for the coffee make when where the coffee was at. I should have saved all of those. My mom Oops. brought that up the other day because you know my parents like to do cocaine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. My parents loved cocaine. Um. <laughs> Your mom looks great, by the way. I saw I saw the photos oh, of her birthday. Tell she, her. That's real sweet of you to say, honey. Do you know that my mom thought that Sutan and Raja were two different people this whole time? Oh my God. I'm still not convinced. You know who are two different people? Is her, her lip liner and her lipstick. <laughs> her and I, we, I need to, I need to uh, have a lesson with your mom on that lip. She loves it. She will not change it. I have been embarrassed since I was a little girl about it. And then now girls like started doing that. And my, totally. mom, was like, my mom was like, see, I tried to tell you. Like, <laughs> I mean, who's really the trendsetter here? Me or Raja? She's right, though. It's back. It's totally back. Like... She just kept the same makeup application from 1982 until now. She just never changed it. Um, and the same fantastic. hair, same hair too, since the eighties. She just is really still in the eighties. Um, there was something else I wanted to ask you. Okay. Honestly, I feel like we talked about such good stuff. I feel like I learned more about you than wait, but I didn't know. I do want to know, wait, so you moved here at nine years old in the nineties. You moved to America. No. We moved, I was nine years old when we moved to the U.S. in 1984. So and what I was, was that born, like for you? I was born here and then like up until age nine, moved there age three. So for, we lived there for like six or seven years, but like enough time for me to like, I went to school there. I like learned the language and we moved to the U.S. in 1984 and it was like the height of like, music and 
uh, fashion, and no. it was the it was the fucking eighties. And then I went to high school in the nineties. When did you come out? Uh, never. Every day, I come out every day. I really do. When did you have your first boyfriend? I, I was oh my first boyfriend. I was uh, eighteen. Okay. And and Everett was nineteen, and we're still good friends. He's a he's a bear now. You also taught me um, that you taught me about like it's okay. I remember like I remember you taught me it's okay to have lovers. You know what I mean? Like it was the first sure. female empowerment thing where you were just like you were like Chanel. Like you don't need to have just one great love in your life. Like like you might have many many loves. Like and lovers and and that was something I that always stuck it. with me that was something that always yeah. stuck with me that you told me i still believe it i believe that i think you can have soulmates i think you can have different lovers experiences and they come and go and they happen but yeah i think it's important i think it's really it really feels alive but for like younger kids listening, like I do want to back it up a little. So like you never, you never came out like that coming out wasn't a thing or you just never felt the need to, or like what, what, what's the story with that? Well, mostly, mostly my parents were keeping me in. So that's the, that was the issue. It wasn't me coming out. It was me. It was them keeping me in. So there was no coming out needing to happen. There was no like, mom and dad I'm gay they're like oh shit our son's gay and we're the preachers and the heads of a church so we have to do everything we can to kind of tamper this down including um you know going to uh um counseling and getting um what what, what is that called uh the conversion therapy Conver- kind of conversion therapy so you know um I had to go through that so there was so there was no coming out. It was just kind of like, let's keep it in, and, and until you and could I, until I, you could run away, until I was out of the, uh, out of my parents' house, until I had my own responsibilities and had my own apartment and my own. That was the thing. It was like you know, get get your shit together first before you complain about it. Like you know, get your own house, get your own money, get your own place to live, get your own things. And that's that. That to me is absolute freedom. Mm-hmm. And is that what brought you? Me... No, it's complete. Like, and and it's weird that like because you'll meet. I was the girl that I just never felt seen by my family, and it probably has to do with my like upbringing and the traumatic nature of being in the witness protection, which we'll get in a later episode. But like, I always just felt. I always knew that the week after I graduated high school, I was moving out on my own. There was just something inside me that felt like I was never going to live my life until I was on my own. And it had nothing to do with me not loving my parents or like, you know, like anything deeper than, than me just wanting to be independent and on my own. And like always feeling like I had this like purpose outside of like the norm. The well, I, I think that's why you probably gravitated to the people that you did. And have because all of us feel that way, you know. All of us p- kind of left our families pretty much ASAP, you know, and wanted to explore the world and see what was up next, you know, and what was around the corner. So, mm-hmm. you know, so there's that. 
you know? No, it is. Well, that's, I, I mean, that was the, th- like, and I remember in the beginning of being so confusing because I didn't, I hadn't like explored myself deep enough to even like think I was anything else but a straight like white girl um but like and that's what would like weird me out because I was like you know like am I gay like like because I've always felt odd and different but like I still like men and so it was just this like weird but I never had to question any of that being friends with you all because we never talked, like, we didn't need to talk about that stuff because we all felt the same way, you know? Yeah, and we were all supportive of whatever, like, choices. We're like, I'm going to fuck a girl tonight. <laughs> Honestly, this was so fun. I hope you had fun. I feel like we could, like, keep I going always, forever. I always have fun with you. I would love to do this in person. We're going to do it in person. This is just my, sure. you know, until someone believes in me and gives me a studio. I believe in you. Um, many people do. Many people do. Many people love you, Chanel. Shut up, Chanel. <laughs> I, I'm gonna make Sam. Oh, and if if you can't see the video right now, Raj has been making something the whole time we've been talking. The whole time. I mean, these the, flower things. What are they know, for? Gold, just whatever. Just go, the gold flower moment. I love it. You know. You know. Um, is there any questions you have for me before I wrap this up? No, um, I'll text you. Yeah, text me. Let's hang out. Um, it was so great catching up with you and I hope that people enjoy getting to see this side of you. Oh my gosh. There is so much more Shut Up Chanel to come. There is, there is. We'll have like a full like topics and all of that. But I thought that like, especially in the beginning, it'd be good to like, cause I think for years people have like heard my name randomly or, you know, like it's very that. Like, oh, I've heard very. of you vibe, but like don't really know me or my connection to you and everyone. So I think this is like a great start. This is it. This is it, baby. <laughs> Um, I love you. I'll call you as soon as we get off of here. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed another episode of my daughter's podcast. There's lots more. Shut up. Chanel coming up. So don't worry. Just keep that subscribe button liked or whatever it is. The Gen Z or the Gen X or the Gen Y. You doing what you're doing. Whatever they're going to do. Do it with the subscribe button. We've got all kinds of great content and guests coming up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just here at the, at the park and the, the air quality's not that great. We've got all kinds of things we're going to lock down for Shut Up Chanel, including more structured episodes and all kinds of experimental music coming your way. I don't know, this is just a script she gave me to say. Have a good one and see you soon, or else. <laughs>